If you're waiting to crack open the next issue of Live Happy Magazine, well, there's good news. That issue is on the way, and we're going to give you a sneak preview of what's inside. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello, this is Jeff Sanders, and welcome back to another episode of the Live Happy Now podcast. In this episode, Live Happy's own Chris Libby, Donna Stokes, and Paula Phelps give you a preview of what to expect in the latest issue of Live Happy magazine. Then we talk with developer Jeremy Fishback, who combined his background in psychology with his personal experiences to create an app that helps users find someone to talk to in times of trouble. Let's find out now what's on tap in this issue of Live Happy. All right, well, we're here today to talk about the latest issue of Live Happy magazine, which hits newsstands on March 6th. I'm Live Happy Science Editor Paula Phelps, tagging along from Nashville, and I'm lucky enough to be joined today by Executive Editor Donna Stokes and Sections Editor Chris Libby. How are you guys doing today? Hey, Paula. Hello. Well, we're here to talk about the new issue, and if someone hasn't listened before, they might not know that what we do is we get together, we talk about some of the stories that we found particularly interesting or enjoyable to work on and things that we think our le- readers are going to love as well. This month, I drew the short straw, so I get to go first. Uh, this issue talks a lot about civility and kindness, which a lot of us think are in short supply these days. But we do have some great information in this issue about how to be kinder and what that'll do for you. And one of the stories I worked on looks at compassion. Um, I think that what I found most interesting was how compassion not only changes the person who receives it, but it also makes huge changes in the lives of those who are practicing it. And I was really interested to see that people who practice compassion actually have a lowered stress response and are physically healthier in addition to being happier. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, compassion is like a double-edged sword of goodness, I like to say. Oh, I, I like that. I just made that up. Um, uh, that's good. You might want to patent that. Yeah. The, the great thing about it is, uh, like you said, the receiver and the uh, giver, I mean, they both feel good about it. And in fact, uh, in this issue, we talk a lot about acts of kindness um, for our uh, acts of kindness campaign, or happy acts campaign. And that's one of the big things we like to do here at Live Happy is, and promoting happiness is promoting, you know, acts of compassion. It, when you can do something for someone else, it's um, almost always an immediate pick-me-up. Awareness is a big part of that. Once you are more aware of the power of compassion, um, you, you know, it makes you more willing to give. Yeah, it's an upward spiral that we talk about. Yeah, you want to feel good and you want to keep feeling good. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of what I found interesting in your story, Paula, was... Um, the aspect of tech in that, that um, compassion and kindness has fallen by the wayside um, in that people are staring at their phones all the time. They don't really pick up signals from the person that they're talking to. Um, Can you talk a little bit um, 
about how tech uh, affects our compassion? Yeah, it, when we're seeing everything through our screen instead of face-to-face, -face, and we're not feeling things. We, It's so easy to make a comment or misinterpret a comment when it's just words on a screen. And we become so absorbed with what that device in our hand that we really aren't interacting with people. We're not reading them. We're not feeling their, their emotions. We're just not connecting with them in that same way. There's a lot of research that's showing it gives rise to narcissism, which is the exact opposite of compassion. And so do you think that uh, the absence of body signals also plays a role in that? I think it's huge. I think because we stop reading how other people are responding. We've seen what can happen in an email. You make a comment that would be received as a joke if you said it face to face, but because it comes in an email, it's like lighting a fuse and pretty soon there's this big war going on and it was a, a pretty innocuous comment. So one thing that Chris already mentioned was that um, March um, is our Happy Acts campaign and uh, this new issue actually is our special International Day of Happiness issue which um, we celebrate on March 20th and actually the entire month of March. Um, being kind to others, doing happy acts, um, part of that this year that we're really excited about is our happy acts wall campaign. And um, that is just, um, if you want to put up a bulletin board or a poster board in your office or in your school or at, even at home on the fridge, um, it's a way for people to share uh, how they share happiness. And um, I just wanted to encourage everybody to, if you're interested in that, you could learn more at uh, happyacts.org or livehappy.com. And isn't the goal this year to have 500 walls? It is. Yes. It's, that's a, and it's a, it's a big goal. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we have uh, interest. That's a lot in, of happiness. Internationally. And a really cool thing is that you can add uh, your address to a map that we have on happyacts.org so that uh, your neighbors, you can invite your neighbors or your coworkers to come by and uh, add, their, add their happy acts to your wall. And we've made it a lot easier this year for, for people to make their own walls, and you have step-by-step -step instructions on the website that uh, can tell you, you know, how to, how to make your own. Right. Well, I think what's fun there is people write down on the card how they practice happiness or what makes them happy. Mm -hmm. uh, people have different interpretations of what they want to write on the card. But what it does is a, is a pretty scientific practice of making you think about what it is that makes you happy. And so we, we know that just like with gratitude, whatever you focus on is what really flourishes. And so now you're really thinking about, hey, what is it that makes me happy or how do I practice happiness? And, and it really makes people start thinking about that. And I think that really gives it a lasting, it's more than putting a card up on a wall, it's really making you think about it. Right, and I, I think um, some of the attention that the walls get is that people are reading other people's cards and um, getting their you know, ideas from that. Like, you know, somebody shares happiness if they're a musician by, you know, playing a guitar riff for their friends or um, if it's a kid who loves skateboarding by like learning a new trick and teaching his friend um, how to do it. Um, so, you know, what's uh, really fun when the walls start to get really full is to just see the, the broad variety of, um, of um, sentiments that people add to it. Yeah, and you can also steal ideas. I'm like, <laughs> hey, I, I never thought of that. 
want to try it. I, I think the most popular one is always like smiling at strangers or smiling at someone else and seeing if you can get them to smile back. Yeah, that's great. And speaking of people that we want to smile back at, <laughs> Donna, you want to talk about our cover? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have handsome Harry Connick Jr. on our cover. And, uh, you know, he's really actually one of the kindest guys around. Um, in our um, Shelley Levitt, um, one of our editors at large, interviewed him. And, um, you know, he told the coolest story about when he was a kid that his dad would see somebody um, who needed help, uh, like a woman, older woman, loading groceries into her car and kind of struggling. And he'd say, you know, get out of the car, go, you know, go help that lady. And, um, you know, he said at first, you know, for a 10-year-old, it was like, really? You know, you really want me to do that? <laughs> um, but it developed in him that innate uh, desire to help people. And um, not only did it affect him, but he has three teenage daughters now, and um, he's telling them the same thing. Um, there was a little anecdote in there where um, there was, they were in a coffee shop, and a woman was carrying out a huge tray of coffee, and he told one of his daughters, you know, go help that lady, at least open the door for her. And she walked out to the car with her and had a great conversation. Um, and his point was that um, you ha sometimes you have to be taught that things like that are socially appropriate. Yeah, that's a very inspiring story. Uh, I like the fact that he was taught these at an early age, and he said even his dad was taught that from his grandpa. I mean, it just and it's going from generation to generation to generation. And he's and he, he does have a little quote in there. It says, "We're far from perfect, but this is how we are." And I think just being overall good people is uh, a good way to be in life. That's very cool. What a great family tradition to keep sending down through the generations, too. So, Chris, you have some interesting things to talk about as well. I do. Um, one of the stories that I was really excited about in this issue is called Banish the Boogeyman from one of our contributing writers, Jessica Sillers. And it talks about how to deal with childhood anxieties. It's something uh, that every kid deals with, and we've all dealt with it uh, when we were kids. And if you're a parent, you are dealing with it. Or you, I mean, nobody wants to see their kids suffer, but uh, teaching your kid how to properly address anxiety because it's going to happen. Uh, anxieties are just a result of the, of the way we think or overthink. Um, so having anxieties from time to time is normal, especially for kids having life experiences for the first time. Uh, what Jessica finds out in this story is you can do some things like build some strengths, like uh, character strengths, like resilience and bravery, and uh, that can provide opportunities to overcome certain situations, um, helps you bounce back. Parents can model uh, positive and confident behavior because modeling is always a great tool if uh, you want your kid to do something the way that you want them to do it then you should do it too and they'll learn from you uh, a lot of our children mimic our own behaviors uh, See, I think that's what's so great about parenting like I should have been a parent just so I'd be a, a better person because <laughs> 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 you have to you you know you have the ex expectations for your child well you have to live them first yeah yeah um now, for those situations like, uh, let's say, a big test is coming up or a big game, um, some of the techniques that you can use are breathing techniques. Um, or if you're moving, this happened to me a lot when I was a kid, we moved a lot. And so you have, as a kid, 
you go from a, a place where you're very familiar to a place where you know zero people. And uh, a good tip there is to, if you can do this, meet the teacher beforehand, bring your child to meet the teacher and get familiar with the class uh, classroom setting. Um, and that way they won't be just thrown out into the wolves the first day. <laughs> Another piece of advice in there that I thought was useful was to not tell them too far ahead of time or if it was uncertain if you were going to move so yeah. that they wouldn't spend a lot of time, you know, thinking ahead, worrying about it, thinking about what they were going to lose, you know, that leaving their friends, you know, leaving their current room, um, just, you know, and to explain it to them positively and to point out the things they should be excited about um, toward that. Yeah, and not all anxi anxiety is bad. You want your kids to be anxious before they cross a busy street or, like I said, uh, if they have a big test coming up. Those, those are uh, anxieties to embrace because it helps you focus and narrows your focus. Um, but they, once it starts creeping over into other parts of your life and where it's becoming a problem and then you want to give them tools and strengths to deal with it. It's a very great, uh, very good story. Anybody with children should, should check it out and give it a read for sure. Definitely a common sense <laughs> guide and, and also points out that, um, you know, the positives and that, you know, a little bit of anxiety, you know, means that they care about something and that they want to do well. So, mm -hmm. you know, as Chris said, it's uh, not necessarily a bad thing to be a little anxious about something important. Yeah. Um, and in, this wasn't in this story, but I, I uh, read this somewhere, but it's not, you can't really banish, uh, I know we say here, but you can't really get rid of anxiety. It's really how you deal with it. Um, that really, it's how you cope with it. And, how and again, that's a great lesson. That's because there's going to be anxiety throughout their entire life. We have it as adults. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would have been such a great gift if, if, say my parents had taught me as a child how to deal with that anxiety instead of, you know, freaking out because I was anxious. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that's something we could all use now. So I think that's very cool. For sure. So, Chris, what else do you have in that uh, front section of yours there? Well, Boulder, Colorado was named the happiest city in America from Gallup and National Geographic. Another contributing writer, uh, Shay Castle, who also writes for the Daily Camera in Boulder, she uh, got a little more in-depth with this and found that, uh, well, one obvious reason is the natural beauty that uh, is, sur surrounds Boulder with the Rocky Mountains. I mean, you have awe-inspiring views every day, and so that's got to do something. Um, but people are very active in Boulder, uh, a lot of outdoor, outdoor activity, uh, exercise, biking, hiking trails, just minutes from your door. Uh, people... Uh, value their relationships a lot there. That was one of the big reasons. And also, um, people are very generous in Boulder. They're twice as likely over the average American to uh, volunteer. And I thought that was very inter interesting. And that um, also in that section we have from the 2017 Doing Good is Good for You study from United Healthcare and Volunteer Match. Uh, they also found that people who volunteer, j even just a few hours a week, you feel happier, healthier, you had lower levels of stress, and you noticed uh, an increase in your sense of purpose, which we all talk about all the time. All of those things just lead to a happier life. Those are all good things. All, all part of uh, doing good just really uh, makes you and everyone else in your community feel better. Mm-hmm. Oh, one other thing. Uh, Vanna White is our Q&A profile this time. And uh, one inter interesting thing she said, out of the 35 years that her and Pat Sajak have worked together, they have never had one argument. 
That's amazing. <laughs> and you're you're glad to hear that too, because you always wonder are they one of the are they those people who are like all smiles on stage and then they get back and they're like pulling each other's hair. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's that's good to know. And I think on that show and on um, Harry's daytime TV show, um, it's they they both mentioned that they want to be a place of positivity. Um, you know, people are overloaded with so much you know negative news and things to be concerned about and people debating various topics. And um, a lot of times people want to go somewhere to be entertained and to uh, be infused with positivity. And I think, you know, really both of those shows offer that. Finally, we talk about uh, a new app in Tech Talk called Happy. Uh, Paula actually wrote this piece and it uh, touches on the subject of loneliness and how people uh, can use uh, technology to reach out to people. Uh, hey, Paula, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, absolutely. In fact, I can go one better because we happened to talk with the founder of this app, Jeremy Fishback, and we have an interview with him, and we're going to go listen to that now. All right. If you've ever wished you could find happiness online, well, now there's an app for that. Jeremy Fishback is co-founder of the app named Happy, which connects users with compassionate listeners. Let's listen in as Jeremy and Live Happy Science editor Paula Phelps talk about how this app came about and how it works. Well, Jeremy, welcome to Live Happy Now. You've got a great app that we're excited to talk with you about. Of course, we had to talk to anybody who has an app named Happy. So um, the first thing we want to do is can you tell our listeners a little bit about the app and what exactly it does? So the app provides emotional support on demand from everyday people who are extremely good at providing it. These are musicians, writers, painters, um, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, um, not traditional mental health professionals. And you simply tap a button and you are connected to one of the most compassionate people in the country. You can talk about whatever you want for however long you want. And first calls are completely free, however long they last. And after that, um, it's a very affordable $12 for 30 minutes. How did you come up with this idea of connecting people? That, you know, we're connecting with strangers, but we're, we're really truly connecting with them and sharing some information and, and a, maybe a tough time in our life. Yeah, so it started with my own tough time in life um, a couple years ago. I was going through a really difficult time of life, but not a crisis, just end of a relationship, um, a difficult time professionally for various reasons, and I just needed more support. And there's really two places in life that people get support from. There's, for a very small percentage of people, traditional mental health professionals, and I was actually seeing um, therapist at that time once a month, but it was $100 a pop, and it just wasn't nearly enough support at that time. And for, for most people, you know, most of the support you're going to get in life is from family and friends. Jeremy found that relying on friends and family to listen to his problems didn't always work out. They may not have been available, or sometimes the topic was just too sensitive or personal to talk about. In talking with his colleagues, Jeremy realized that he wasn't alone and that not being able to talk to someone in a time of need contributes to the growing problem of isolation. Chronic isolation um, 
affects tens of millions of Americans. Yeah, I think that's something that's really interesting right now that we are so connected and you know, we're online, we've got all these different ways that we can connect with people, but yet we see the studies that show that we are lonelier than ever. And and social media, the things that are designed to connect us are actually making us feel more isolated. So that's what I find so interesting about your approach to it is you're actually using that technology to really connect people on a level that um, most of us aren't able to do with our own friends and family. Yeah, I think that that's, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Um, and it's not just isolation, uh, which, which, which we saw, but the chronic anxiety, chronic stress, substance abuse, these are all now uh, major epidemics in this country affecting almost a third, possibly a half of the population. And I think you're right. A lot of it has to do with um, how we are communicating nowadays. We, we, we think of social media as having major benefits in, in how it's keeping us up to date about what's happening but to the extent it's replacing this fundamental human need for emotional support, uh, which is the most important thing for human health um, after water and food, uh, to the extent social media is replacing that and, and, and the genuine human connection and, and support necessary uh, to have that need satisfied, then it's, it's not doing a very good job. It's a lot like empty calories. So how did you go about finding people who were able to listen? And how do you train them and and get them to the point where they're able to work? They're the, the voice on the other end of your app. For starters, set up, you know, uh, a screen for emotional intelligence. Uh, we, we talk a lot in this country about traditional forms of intelligence, IQ, whatever IQ tests measure. But for us, the people taking calls, you know, we needed them to be the equivalent of geniuses with respect to emotional intelligence. So we developed a screen with the help of um, mental health professionals and a lot of other people who, um, yeah, that, that just measures your ability to give support across um, six different measures. And in the course of uh, a few 30 to 60 minute interviews, we measure applicants of emotional intelligence and, and people who scored in the, the 90th percentile and up um, made it through to another round of feedback sessions and assessments. Uh, we've developed pretty extensive guidelines. Um, that are supported by a lot of scientific literature on just how to properly give support. Now, where did the applicants come from? How did they find you or you find them? We, uh, another good question. So we initially did a post in a a Facebook group in Los Angeles called Inspired Women of LA, and just through word of mouth, um, you know, what we were seeking in this post is anyone who, you know, feels like they're a compassionate listener, are you somebody who... Uh, people tend to come to for support, and um, yeah, you know, thousands of people came to us just through word of mouth, and it, it, it was in, you know, L.A., we heard from people on uh, naval bases in Virginia, um, almost every state, um, a lot of applicants from Canada all the way to Switzerland, Australia, so really the, the efforts spread across the world. After downloading the app, customers have access to a menu of items that helps connect them with the right listener. They can choose from such things as relationship and work issues to parenting, financial struggles, and even gender identity. You're probably more likely to be really honest if you know you're with someone who you're not going to see and isn't going to judge you and you don't have to go see at work the next day. Is that true? Absolutely. I, I mean... It's, it's funny how 
you know, we, we obviously heard many questions about the, the idea of, you know, speaking with somebody you haven't met before, who doesn't know you, and are you really going to be open with those people? And I would say sort of uh, the opposite, um, you know, how open and honest with you are, how open and honest are you with the people you know the best? Um, there's a lot of, uh, as close as I am with my brothers and parents, there's a lot that I don't share with them. Even my close friends, I would say, all know a little bit about me. Um, some know a lot, but um, you're, you're absolutely right that it tends to be the case that we're the most open in situations where we have the least at stake in terms of our reputations, where there's sort of the least um, bad that could happen from being open. And we have callers calling in, and, and we already know in, in most cases they're opening up more uh, with our givers than they are with anybody else in their lives. And it is important to bring up that this is different than seeing a therapist. It's not, you don't make any claims that this is a uh, trained professional who is going to give you psychiatric advice. Absolutely. These are everyday people who are extremely good at providing emotional support, which happens to be a critical component of mental health. Um, and we've screened them for their ability to do just that. Uh, we don't give advice on the phones. We, we think that there are no epidemics of advice in this country. Most people have way more than they need or want. And what we help callers do, they're really seeking information and not support, you know, is to, to guide them to the knowledge they already have. Um, most people have a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, a lot of guidance. Um, sometimes they just need help accessing it. If you'd like to learn more about this issue of Live Happy, visit us online at livehappy.com. And remember, you can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's all the time we have today. So until next time, this is Jeff Sanders wishing you a great day and hoping that every single day you live happy.